Hello and welcome to The Agenda on Monday the 20th of February 2023. I'm your host Chris Gallagher and I know I say this every week, it's a monumental week for Celtic. But this is, look, all our fing- all my fingers and toes are tingling. Um, I'm excited, I'm nervous. Uh, we've got, this is cup final week. Um, we're going to start talking about that. This is, you know, we started yesterday with the... Um, of course, uh, the Senate Chronicles. Uh, let me finish the intro. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Hello and welcome to the agenda. I'm Chris Gallagher, as always, and I'm joined by my very good friend Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I'm looking forward to this as a monumentous week, which I don't think is a word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's off to a very good start. Um, I think I'm just alarmed by this tingling sensation that you have in your fingers and your toes, which. Um, you might want to contact your GP about and uh, and and see them in a couple of months of it. Oh, sh- he's very sharp today. He's on, he's on he's on the ball. He's you know on the front foot. Great to hear you, Alan. Um, Kieran Devlin's also here. Hello, Kieran. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm good. I feel a bit intimidated by Alan's the the wit of Alan's introduction. So I'll just I'll just say I am well and looking forward to today. Not looking forward to this week as uh, characteristically. I'll be waking up in cold sweats on Wednesday night, thinking I've had a nightmare, and just rely, and then just remembering we've got a cup final on Sunday. So, um, but, all right, <laughs> all right, shake back, calm down. Um, <laughs> fuck's sake, <laughs> bit of joy, you know what I mean? Nah, I'm the same, Kieran. Um, I actually want to talk about that for a sec in, in a few minutes, but uh, it's really wet on in Canvas Lang. It's um, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not raining currently, but it looks like it's going to be raining throughout the day. So it's a bit of a drich day. Uh, Alan, you're not far from me. I assume it's the same. Pretty much the same. Aye. Kieran, how is it in Edinburgh? Uh, it's dry. It's very grey. We had one sunny day on Friday, and it was like genuinely like your happiness level. You said it as like an injection of serotonin from the sky. And then from uh, Saturday through to today, it's been very grey and miserable. And it's been mood, mood has followed, followed suit, really. Um, but. Um, well, that's a, that's a bit extensive, but it's great. It's great. Let's go with that, Chris. Uh, you know, a, a dark t- foretelling of things to come in the podcast. Um, great stuff, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> I was in Edinburgh on on Friday to Saturday, and we went to uh, a bar, and uh, they only sold wine. I guess that's called a wine bar. So that's correct. I'm going to ask for a pint of tenants. It didn't go down too well, but what are you going to do? But um, yeah, I was uh, to- You showed yourself up there. They, they took one look at you and thought, get a bottle of the house white for the gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> bottle of Blue Nun um, was delicious. Uh, but no, it's great to um, it's great to have you guys here, of course, as always. Uh, up to much, Alan, this week? Have, has it been uh, anything interesting, exciting happening? Uh, no, no, just um, I was, I got absolutely soaked at the game on Saturday, so um, I spent most of the weekend recovering from that, which is kind of where I was at. Um, I had a day about the house yesterday, watched a lot of television, a lot of sport, um, walked up to um, be bakery near me and got some nice things from there, got some nice food in. Um, it was just me and Ronnie yesterday, so it was a nice wee day in, it was all good, but I do feel like the nerves have kicked in this morning and I feel like that has been largely reflected in all of our um, <laughs> unsteady starts to this recording. So it doesn't bode well for it being a quick week. I've said that much. Absolutely. Everyone's completely off kilter uh, this morning. Kieran, how are you? How's your week been? Anything exciting? Uh, I went for a, a gig on Friday night at the Barrowlands. So you were in Edinburgh. I was in Glasgow. It's a furry, furry old world. Was uh, it I went dry, to, dry with, uh, cleaning? It was. It was dry cleaning. I went with... Uh, a certain Daniel McGowan, oh. formerly of this parish, 
and we went to stereo after. Um, though we made the mistake, I was like, oh, I was going to get the last train back. And I was like, you know, it'd be fun to have a night out in Glasgow. Went to stereo. There's a, a cool DJ I wanted to see for a while. Was playing but was sp- spontane- spontaneity. I thought it'd be fun being spontaneous. I'll get the 900 bus back. Um, and I, that, that'll be a fun experience. It was not a fun experience. It took me three hours door to door to get home after leaving stereo at two to get in the door at five. Um, we're not recommend, uh, uh, but the gig and the night were fun. Um, and then Saturday played some board games with friends and just had a, yeah, a chill day yesterday of watching some football and watching some films and stuff. So yeah, had a, had a, had a lovely old time of it. Great stuff. I, I, on my personal Instagram feed, I had about 10 people on their stories and it was like dry cleaning, dry cleaning, dry cleaning. So, um, a lot of people, uh, seem to enjoy the gig. So great to hear. Um, just see on the, uh, you know, you both said that you watched some sport. I watched West Ham versus Tottenham for about half an hour yesterday. And holy mackerel, was that a fucking slog. Um, I, I, you know, I, I did that thing where I was like, ah, oh, do you know what I could do? I'd watched a film and I was like, I could do with just watching some football that I have no connection to that I can just watch the actual game. And see for all the money that's spent in that league, see the amount of times I turn it on and it's just like... It's just not entertaining. No, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you do get good games. Of course, it's I'm not kind of writing the entire league off. But the amount of kind of high-profile games and watching them, thinking this just should be a lot better. Alan, you kind of feel the same, or what's your thoughts? Yeah, being uh, I was at a walk actually on maybe been Sunday morning, um, or Sunday afternoon with my brother, and we were talking about you know how you sometimes get the Sunday fear and how. The Sunday fear is sometimes inextricably linked to the quality of Premier League game that's on. <laughs> now, I don't really watch the Premier League. I'll watch maybe if it's the top of the table clash or something. But if you look on you know, your, your TV planner and you see it is West Ham versus, I don't know, West Brom or something. I know they're not in the top line now. But you look at that and think... I'm going to feel, I'm going to really feel pretty low tonight. It's just got that horrible feeling about it. Like you can imagine being in a pub where it's on in the background, but you don't even want to watch it. And it's just a bit, um, so I went with the hipster's choice yesterday and watched Union, Berlin and Schalke. And let me tell you, Christopher, it was worse. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was nothing each. Juranovic didn't play. Jens did play and actually played very well. Yeah. Beyond that, oh, it was, it was really, really horrible. So, um, the hipster's choice unfortunately didn't um, didn't bode well for me this weekend. Obviously, well, what were you saying? Uh, I watched PSG Leo, uh, <laughs> which was an absolute classic. <laughs> where there were what three uh, two PSG three two down with um, three minutes of re- regular time to play. Mbappe equalises and Messi basically scores a free yeah. kick for the last game. So I think I probably did better than the both of you, to be honest. Um, I saw that... Um... Well, his face. Look how fucking delighted he is with himself. <laughs> it set me up well. I was like, I, I didn't need to watch any other football the rest of the day, to be honest. I saw like Man U, Leicester. I was like, nah, not for me. And just, just started watching uh, Creed. Rewatched Creed, which was a, is a great film. Yeah, uh, very good. Um, see, mm. on the... Um, I, I was just kind of following, you know, I was on Twitter. I, as I say, I, I, like Alan, I had a very kind of lazy day just kind of watching different things. And then um, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw that the director of football at PSG came down to the technical area and started berating the players. Started, like, berating the players. Did you see that on, on the telly, Kieran? Yeah, it was a bit weird. <laughs> Whereas they didn't probably look suited and booted as well. Um, yeah, I think that'd be fun. I can, can you just imagine... Uh, I just like to imagine what that would be like at Celtic. 
Obviously, we'd never have a director of football, but I just imagine the um, de facto director of football and that our CEO comes down to the pitch <laughs> and starts spreading the players. I think that'd be quite funny. That would be. Uh, great stuff. Let's kind of, as we say, so big build up this week. Uh, Celtic taking on Rangers League Cup final. Um, we'll certainly start talking about that um, a little bit later on. But let me just give you the, the agenda for the week. Um you listen to the agenda, of course, which drops every Monday. Tomorrow we've got the review um, with uh, Graham and Christian, and they'll be looking back at the weekend and uh, probably touching on what we can expect from Rangers. Um, Wednesday we've got the midweek bounce. Myself, Bowd, and uh, Brian. Uh, that'll be just a lot of fun, a lot of daft fun. So uh, we'll probably take questions if you've got any daft questions for that. Uh, Thursday we've got the Cynic Weekly, of course. Uh, Alan and Sermani both unavailable this week due to other commitments. Um, well, actually, Alan's going to be on the, the Lunch Club on Friday. So we'll have a brand new panel for the weekly this week. Um, so that'll be good, getting new voices on. Um, Friday, the Derby Lunch Club, which will be Alan, of course. Uh, we'll be recording that. I think we'll probably do it in um, the Admiral, um, which is unfortunately closing down, which is a fantastic pub and just another sign that, you know, um, money over kind of business, business over kind of pubs and stuff. It's just disgraceful. Um, So the Derby Lunch Club will be on Friday, of course. Then we'll have a preview for the League Cup final and then we'll have the reaction for the League Cup final on Sunday as well. So that's what we've got coming up. Uh, let's go straight to the opening question. Opening question comes from Stephen. We're going to talk about the the League Cup final, uh, obviously, in a little bit more detail later on because we want to talk about the Aberdeen game and we've got some questions and a bit of news. But I've I've put Stephen's question as the opening question. And it's just to get us thinking, just to get us thinking and in the mood. So Stephen's question is: Why have Celtic struggled against Rangers away from home and at Hampden, performance wise? <clears throat> so we obviously played them uh, at the end of last season and we drew sorry we beat them uh, at Ibrox uh, quite a def- defensive uh, performance quite good and quite disciplined but maybe not our kind of usual attacking flair um, and then obviously the one each draw a couple of weeks ago pretty disappointing in regards to the overall performance and then if you take into the equation the, the Scottish Cup semi-final which one of the worst performances we've had under Ange, you, you could argue, in regards to a big kind of domestic game. Um, has Stephen got a point? Is he being a bit too critical? What's your kind of take on it, Alan? What's your thoughts? I, I think from from my own perspective, I think the Scottish Cup semi-final does a, a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of that um, that perceived you know, drop in performance. Um, I think the sample size, first of all, is pretty small in terms of the amount of games we've got to look at um, and actually we've got some really positive results but I know the question does say performance and I feel I feel like the conditions this week will probably give us a better understanding of whether that is the case or whether it is just a small sample size and you know a couple of games where maybe we went at our best because you know we are playing really really well at the moment we're quite ruthless um, we've got a lot of quality we're controlling games so I think if we were to go into this game at the weekend and we didn't manage to, you know, put an imprint in the game and play our way and get the type of performance that we have been, then I think after that you could probably look and say that as a number of occasions now where for whatever reason it hasn't worked out, then you could start looking at that. I don't think there's been enough yet for me to, you know, say definitively that that is the case. I think for results at Ibrooks were pretty positive. Um, granted the performances I, I do agree haven't been at their best but 
they are they are far better than the nearest team to them hearts. So they are a big step up um from, you know, anyone else domestically. So I think there is an element of that and we like to downplay them and, you know, be critical, but they are better than the other sides in the league. So I think this week is uh, probably the best scenario for that. We're going into it in really good form. You know, take away the result. I think if we get, you know, if we perform well in the game, then I would be confident of getting that result. If we don't, then I think at that point you maybe could look at it and say, you know, some of the things that, and we'll probably talk about them, some of the things that we are critical of, maybe they isn't a good matchup for us. Um, and maybe we do need improvements and also look at how we approach these games specifically. But I feel that doing it in advance of this game would just be maybe looking into the Scottish Cup semi-final just a little bit too much. Um and actually give them the opportunity this weekend to hopefully go and show what they can do. So I think I would probably be likely to kind of reserve my, my judgment on that until we've had another game at a neutral venue and then consider it. But, you know, it's, it's, fair, it's a fair question because the performances from home, between home and at Ibrox and then at Hamden have been, you know, there's been a, a marked difference between them. Uh, Kieran, what's your kind of take on that, on the question? Yeah, I think, I think Alan's right. Maybe I think there's also important, points to the context for each individual game like when we thumped them 3-0 they had just they didn't seem to have any idea of how we were going to play they were so reactive um, they just stood off us and then when we beat them 4-0 earlier this season you know the Van Bronckhorst wheels had just like completely gone off and they didn't really the players very visibly didn't seem to believe in the manager anymore I think it was different you know Beal Beal's a complete weirdo but he is a good coach and he knows our big weakness is playing out from the back with this back five. That's what he really, you know, capitalised on um, for the New Year's game. And that was a big, it was the big issue for, and in my opinion, that was the big issue for the, the run of like three games we had between, like the, what was it, like in April? Did we have all three in April? Was the last one just at the start of May? But it was, it was all within like four or five weeks of each other when we yeah. had those three games. I played out from the back, was, it was really, really poor. And it, it really just set the tone going further forward as well. I'm a, I'm quite concerned about this cup final because I think our playing out of their back. Is, I thought against Aberdeen, middle to front, we were really good, really really good. But our playing out from the back was left a lot to be desired again. And we've seen it before against Rangers and against good teams. They can punish us when we're not at our best at playing out from back. So I do, I do think that's. It is our biggest problem against good teams, including Rangers, and it's continued to be so. And we've not really, you know, we've brought, I'm repeating myself every week now, but, you know, we, we may, we maybe have a player who can address it, but he's not playing. So it's just, I'm a little worried about it, uh, for Sunday. Cause we, we know exactly how we're going to play. We know exactly how Rangers are going to play. They're going to press Hart, Starfield, Carter Vickers, Johnston, Taylor aggressively is how they respond to that and I think they need to be significantly better than they have been both at New Year um, but also uh, in recent in recent weeks as well Can I can I, I jump in for a second? <laughs> sorry sorry to interrupt Kieran but um, <clears throat> see what I, what I would say is personally um, I don't know why personally I'm, I'm just say it fuck's sake um, what I would say on that is um, see what you're saying Kieran what you're highlighting I think it's all kind of in all of our minds even since you know going back to Brendan Rogers, you know like aggressive press that we couldn't break down and Ange sees that and he knows it so I, I always I often think and wonder like it it, it comes down to him and if, if he's not changing it then he's either happy with it with happy with taking that pressure on or 
he just at this point can't solve it. I don't know. Like I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, Kieran, and I agree with you. Like when I'm sitting in my chair at Celtic, sitting in my chair, sitting in my seat at Celtic Park, I do kind of. You can see it where I stand. You can see the pressure they're putting on us, and you can see us playing into trouble. But it, it happens almost every game we play against them. Is there something to be said for him saying, "I'm going to take that risk because ultimately we haven't lost a lot of these games"? Alan, do you want to come in? Keaton, sorry, you go first, Kieran. Well, I think you could, you could say that because I think Starfelt and Carter Vickers generally, I think Starfelt had a bit of a shaky game at Ibrox, but I think generally both of them have performed pretty well. Um, Carter Vickers especially against Rangers. They have been, you know, we talked about it before where Kobe Ashia isn't getting games and it's because <laughs> Starfelt and Carter Vickers are really solid um, defensive pairing domestically, yeah. um, both against the 10, the 10 other teams and demonstrably against against Rangers you know I, I still think you know Starfell at Ibrox in that 2-1 game is one of is it was just an incredible solo defensive performance just just sensational how, he, how good he was at defending his box um, I, I, do, I do think you know he is committed to this t- to this team he is committed to, to these players and as you say like I think we just have to take it at face value that he's not changing that personnel that he has either has faith in them to come good or he is happy with them you know and then that opens up a separate thing is like does that open up do we just accept that and that's the case it's going to be or is that like a is that something we can criticize about him you know i think it's it's, it's fair to have a, a you know different opinions on that yes <laughs> get into him keenan come on uh, uh, yes uh, that's uh, fraud, fraud. <laughs> frost the frauds call glue <laughs> oh very good very good and, and uh, uh, please 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 don't hate me oh the more great animal content this week i just think it's just great watching yeah. the um a gal's cat she's, she's in front of circling them. she's circling and she's literally just muted me fuck darcy <laughs> she is adorable though sorry um alan joy come in yeah, I think um, I think one of the things is I, I don't think there's any disagreeing that one of our key weaknesses at when you go up the levels um, is playing out from the back. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that's something that you can really contest. The extent to which it's an issue is maybe what you could argue about, but it is probably one of our weaknesses. And I think because it is the key element of a game that I think most people can see. It's probably only, certainly domestically, it's probably one of the only elements of our game that I think you could be really critical of. I think then that leads to the scenario where there isn't really anything else to pick on. You can't really, there's very, you know, if Kieran makes that point, there's very little else you can go back with in terms of you can say, well, actually, we've got a real issue at left midfield or, you know, we've got a real issue in holding the ball up because... I think a lot of other elements of the game, again, with that little wee caveat we've done it domestically, really are flawless at the moment. So there is one element that we can discuss and it is playing out from the back. Now, I, I think the extent to which it's an issue, I think is something I would maybe disagree with. Um, I think it could well be an issue on Sunday. But I think when Ange, you know, when you're being specific about talking about Ange and, you know, it's, it's either his problem or he doesn't see it as a problem, I think you'll be aware of it. But yeah. it's just a case of accepting that risk um, and trusting the players to A, be very good in the day um, and B, be able to handle the moments when mistakes come. Um, I think there's nothing in Ange's football and you know DNA, philosophy, whatever word you want to use that would suggest that 
it, it's not that he's ignoring the issue. It's just that he accepts it and it's part of the game. And, you know, it feels like we're going way back to when he was first appointed, but that idea of almost embracing a little bit of the chaos in those moments. And actually that is maybe in those moments when teams can slightly come out of their own shape because they sense an opportunity. And then do you have the, you know, um, do you have the ability to to seize that opportunity yourself um, and either counter or, or, or take the upper hand? So I, I'll be honest, I, I don't really feel like there is a, an alternative to it. Um, well, certainly not now. If there was an alternative to it, and obviously Kieran mentioned Kobayashi, if, if Ange felt that that was a, a viable goer, he, he would have obviously played him over the last few weeks, but he doesn't. And you will be going into the summer, probably at the earliest now before you see him certainly regularly. So, you know, I think we can discuss it. Um, we can, you know, disagree maybe to the extent to which it's an issue. And ultimately we won't know till Sunday. But fundamentally, it's probably the only big issue. Um, I suppose maybe you could add in the, the goalkeeping element of it, but we can all just lump that in as one so that it's a, a nice, easy package here to discuss. Um, that really is, I think that's as much as you've got. And when, you know, Kieran says Michael Beale, obviously he's a, you know, he's a clever coach. I think that's team's only option. You can either sit in and hope that Celtic don't click in a day and don't score and you catch something, or you can go and press and be aggressive. And I feel like we've been talking over the last few weeks about how teams have been approaching Celtic Park, sitting in, delighted not to get a beaten. I think any top six team, I think over the next 12 to 18 months, if Andrew remains here, I think they will get to a stage where they realise their only opportunity is to really almost be as aggressive as Celtic are. Um, and that might lead to some bad beats, but it also might lead them to, you know, you know the way Hearts have pushed us. You might see other teams doing that because they are aggressive. They get a little bit of the rubber of green. They maybe catch us on an off day. I think sitting in now against Celtic and hoping that they don't score is just completely defunct and is only damage limitation. I think the more ambitious teams, the more well set up teams, you know, you maybe top three or four sides in the league. I think the coaches will look at it and say that the only opportunity now is to try and be aggressive against Celtic and I would expect Rangers to do exactly that on Sunday to do it in an organised fashion but to press us when they feel they're set and ready and hope then that that causes us issues and moving the ball out and then getting into the rhythm that we've seen because when we do get into that rhythm you see Hatati at the weekend you see McGregor it's very difficult to get him out of that and at that point the game would be gone so I think maybe I suppose to kind of summarise the reason it's it's such a. It seems like such a big issue. It's because largely it feels like it's the the only issue yeah. that you can really discuss. Yeah, and just kind of to okay, then on you come. Well, well, just quickly, I've got a hypothetical for the for the team. Uh, would you take losing on Sunday if it meant guaranteeing four points from the two league games against them? Absolutely not. Not even close. Okay. Nah, no, definitely not. <laughs> you, you guys are far more secure than I am. <laughs> Can't even. Absolutely. You wouldn't, wouldn't even offer us a guaranteed six points there. I thought you were yeah. going to guarantee us the leak, and I was like, well, maybe. I still don't think I would take that. I don't, no, I would absolutely not. Where the fuck? Nine points clear. Fucking I'm not saying it's guaranteed, clear. but I'll take my chances. I'm not sitting in there I was Sunday off, hey, I was watching off, them lift a trophy. Absolutely not. I was offering you the You call league. yourself a shite bag gal. This is a real <laughs> shite baggery. This. Uh, do, you know, do you know the funny thing is, I was talking to my friend Michael, Michael Chapman. He, he used to do stuff for the Cynic back in the day. And um, he's a big Newcastle fan and he's based in St. Louis. And he was talking to me this week about how nervous he is about the cup final. He's never seen you know, Newcastle in a cup final. That's the first cup final since like 99 or whatever it was when they got it to two in a row. Um, 
And he was, he was, he's very keen. And he's, he's absolutely like you. He's a massive, massive shite bag. And he's like, I think we're going to lose. And I'm, I'm nervous that the world's going to kind of collapse and all that. And it really got me thinking about, you know, it's a fucking cup final. My fuck, back, let's back a noose. We're fucking Ian, class. Would, would you take that option? I don't know. Like, I, I really want to see isn't the Champions League likes. I think I, I think I might I might do. I, I know I know that's pathetic. I is, is utterly pathetic. But I, I might do <laughs> just because I really I just want us to, to to be in the Champions League. I liked it. It was nice. Apart from all the thumpings and that, it was a, it was a good time. I, f- I feel very much like this should be a a scenario where is it in the Godfather two? Oh no, the, the Godfather one when Vito gives is it um, is it Sonny gives him a shake. Yeah, and just tries to kind of. That's what this. That's what this moment needs. That kind of. Sonny's not in the Godfather two because he gets killed in the Godfather oh, one. That, sorry, I forgot the name. Give me a leeway here. I made a tried to make a reference. I thought you would have been right up on your Godfather knowledge. Just ah, you know, but I don't know what happens at what bit. Like, I'm, it's, it's off the hoof here, mate. I didn't pre-prepare this in advance. Um, I wouldn't. I, I, no, absolutely not. I can't be taking that. Also, because I'll be there on Sunday, I don't want to be sitting. There's nothing worse than being in that occasion and then. Um, haven't uh, uh, yeah, it's not good being at a cup final against Rangers. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give them a fucking inch. Yeah, uh, that's all fair. All fair. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm going on 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 Sunday as well, and um, yeah, I, nah, that's not for me. Uh, but a good question, Kieran. I love a scenario. I'll be honest with you. Scenarios are great. Um, let's mm-hmm. kind of. I respect the scenario. I just like to. Put that in record as well. That I respect the scenario. I do not agree with it. I, I think we'll have a thing going forward uh, every Monday called uh, Kieran Scenario, where he like uh, talks like us that. through uh, one. Ah, I throw scenarios out almost every week. No one, I've never a, had my own no, one get, no one gives a fuck about your stupid scenarios. Oh anymore. man, I love it. I love a right good scenario. Love it. <laughs> okay. What if, what if Sonny didn't die and they went for the part one? I was too much of a hothead to lead the call. <laughs> no. Um, okay. So. Uh, we've got some news. Uh, we'll get we'll kind of round back to the the derby because we've got some derby questions. Um, and yeah, as we say, this is the build up week. Uh, supporters groups outlining the need for safe standing in the Jock Steen stand. Uh, so you know the Green Brigade, the boys, uh, a number of other groups uh, released a couple. A really good video, I thought. I, th- I really liked the the video they released on social media. Um, there was a link to um, a website called the Celtic End. Um, and I'll just read out some kind of points from the website. The Celtic End is a campaign to turn the traditional Celtic End of Celtic Park into an iconic stand, famous for its vocal and visual support for Celtic. The best possible best possible example we can give you is Borussia Dortmund's famous yellow wall. Most iconic stadiums and clubs have famous traditional ends with vociferous and colourful support. Um, sadly, Celtic Park lacks a stand. The current standing section holds 2,700 with a similar number on our waiting list. Boys, Celtic currently occupy the opposite corner and are growing in numbers on European nights. Most of Lisbon Lions end will stand at Hamden, the entire end, and usually more will stand. Given this option, we believe tens of thousands would choose to stand at matches and we believe this would transform the atmosphere in Celtic Park for the better. The only solution which caters for all and more importantly produces the best stadium atmosphere is one large united standing section. We believe the natural place for this is the traditional Celtic end, although our vision is full is, a, is of a full stand, lower and upper. The lower stand is a natural standing point. Um, yeah, and it to, it talks about the Celtic end is for everyone. While the ultras may lead to singing from behind the goals, the stand is big enough to cater for all types of supporters who wish to stand. And if you don't wish to stand, you will enjoy the noise and colourful ge- colour generated from the Celtic end from the comfort of a seat in another stand. Um, what's your thoughts? It's it's uh, it's a campaign that I think has get garnered a lot of support from the support. The Celtic support. Uh, Alan, we'll start yourself. 
I'm, I'm, I'm quite encouraged by it. Um, I'm quite, uh, I think, first of all, um, it looks like they have put some time into it, some thought into it, um, which is good, as opposed to just throwing out an idea and saying, wouldn't it be good if? Um, I think most people have been overwhelming support for it. I think, predictably, there's been a lot of, um, not not opposition to it, but a lot of people putting obstacles in front of it that, to me, seem fairly not straightforward, but you know, with the the combined will of both the club and you know the fan base, as it to me seems entirely achievable. Um, I think there is challenges, and I think there would obviously have to be a, a a consultation period, particularly for the people that already sit there, maybe sat there for quite some time. Um, and I think that that might be the kind of the most significant issue. But other things that I've read about, you know, um, hospitality. You know, because the number seven's there, you know, and other things about, you know, that corner's got the Kerrydale suite and it still seems entirely, it doesn't seem like an issue. Um, I appreciate that people that go to hospitality put a significant amount of money in. Um, I've been to hospitality on a couple of occasions. It's a great day. The stadium should largely be for the people who are ticketed supporters that pay either the season ticket or pay for a match day ticket. Um, It shouldn't be for... Um, exclusively, the stadium shouldn't be built exclusively for um, those that are able to regularly go to hospitality. And that's not having a pop at those people. Um, I genuinely think if I did have that kind of cash, that I probably would sit in the number seven most days and have pints, but I don't. Um, I, I, I just think look, Celtic Park isn't the Emirates Stadium. It's not built for those people. It's a late 90s stadium that was built um, at a very affordable cost. And with that, then means that. It is geared entirely towards the, the the kind of average supporter. So I think the dynamics of the stadium and the stadium atmosphere should be built towards those people. Um, and I, I think not to be critical of the stadium. Um, and we are playing some exceptional football at the moment and we go to Celtic Park and we're entertained every two weeks at the moment. The atmosphere can be pretty flat at times. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the North Curve section, which just continues throughout the game, they really do generate the only atmosphere in the stadium. It would be, you're really few and far between to have any other part of the stadium to create either a song or create any sort of atmosphere. Um, and it's not, that's not a pop at any people individually or, you know, I sit most of the game, I sit pretty far back and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not standing up um, singing on my own accord and trying to get an atmosphere going. If there was a kind of larger swell of people though that did stand in the stadium, I think it would lend itself to a much more vociferous atmosphere. Um, and I think we would all welcome that. I also think just from uh, optics point of view, I think it would look incredible. I think the colour, the noise it would generate, you know, if it was on TV, it would be phenomenal. It would open up you know, the playbook in terms of displays and things. Uh, I would like to see it and I, I don't see any you know, financial reason why it couldn't happen. I just think it will require quite a significant amount of work from Celtic to actually contact people who sit in that area and establish if they would be interested and how they could be accommodated. But I, w- I would hope that people see the kind of the wider output from it. I think it's a great idea. I would love it, and I hope it happens as quickly as possible. But it will require a real effort from both the fan base and from Celtic to do it. So, and Celtic can be slow coming to the table. So, I hope that. Um, People need to get behind it and need to show support because otherwise it will just ebb away. This is one of the kind of one of the issues I always had with, and I don't want to go over old ground here, but like for example, Peter Lawwell, right? When Rangers died and we had a real opportunity to do some creative and inventive things and really take a new twist on what Celtic can be, um, we just 
you know, batten down the hatches, hunkered down and just got through it. Something like this, I think, would be raised, maybe raised at a, a, a kind of board meeting or, you know, a kind of um, shareholders meeting or something. And I think a lot of them would be like, eh, do we need to? Everything's fine now. Why do we have to change it? That's what. That's my opinion on yeah. what I think. How I think they would. I think their their attitude would be, why? I don't think Celtic as this. I don't think this board are innovative or really want to do anything they don't have to do. Mm-hmm. In regards to you're paying your season tickets, it would just be the same anywhere. So what does it matter? And that's why that's the frustration I have about when I talk about Celtic and their. Um, this is a club with a lot of potential to do a lot of excellent stuff and a lot of cool stuff. Cool is a word that just encapsulates being cool and having status. And, you know, you look at Dortmund with a yellow wall and I just think our board would look and go, that seems like a lot of work. What, what's the extra added advantage? You know, and that, that that's what that's why I love what they're doing. I love the fact there's a website. I love the fact that they're going to keep pushing this, which the, the supporter groups do a hell of a lot for not only supporting the club, but for the local community and stuff. The, they will keep pushing this and I'd like to think we all would keep pushing for this because I think it would be phenomenal and I would love to be right in the middle of that and just, you know, I, I actually kind of am a little bit different from you, Alan. I do sing quite a lot. I'm, I sit on my own and I still sing quite a lot and I just, we're quite quite detached from the Green Brigade um, where, where I sit, but there's a bunch of people who sit around me and mm-hmm. when the songs start, we all kind of at least kind of sing along with them. There is such an appetite for it. So, positively, I'm glad this campaign's starting. Starting, Kieran, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm quite. Yeah, I agree with, with both of you. I think the one thing I would I would really sympathise with people. You know, there will be a lot of people if this were to to pass. It would be there would be a lot of people who'd be happy to stand and join in. There would be other people who'd be happy to move. But I would really sympathise with people who've you know sat there for decades yeah. and they love their seat. I think that's that is a that is an obstacle and it. It's a it's a it's a really tricky situation to to handle. That aside, I think it would be an incredible an incredible thing for the for the club, for the support, for for the stadium, for the distinctiveness of of the atmosphere to 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 re-energize the atmosphere again. And I think I agree. I, I agree, Gal, that, like, that this is a thing that if you I think if you pitch it to them at the moment as a thing for fan experience then you might they're, they're you know their eyes are going to glaze over because <laughs> um, that's just the way they think however if you pitch it to them as a commercial opportunity yeah i think it's, it's how you you know i think it's it's responding to how they think which is in uh you know pound signs if you say look how uh, the the how much revenue you got for um just from the the photo of the display for the before the Barcelona game, that you know the Green Brigade obviously <laughs> had a but the you know the instrument, uh, people behind that. Imagine if you're going to look at what the yellow wall means to Dortmund. Look at what that means. How it's synonymous with what Dortmund is, with having these incredible fans, with the atmosphere, with having these displays. Imagine if you had that. You know what, twenty five, thirty times a season for home games in all competitions. What would what would that mean um, for for attracting you know you know sort of tourist fans for the the media opportunities everything like that there could there's a lot of um, you know potential revenue generators in that that somebody far far more intelligent around uh, 
around business and can can articulate better than I can. Um, I do think there's an angle you can take with these guys where it, it, it'd be more compelling to them. I but I I'm agree I agree with you, Gal. I think even if you were to have the most intelligent, eloquent, uh, you know, if you had Don Draper selling this to to the board, uh, I think it, it would be a, a hard sell even then. But I do I do think it's something we absolutely should pursue anyway because it's it's. You know, even if the club are content with where the operations, both the the sporting wing and the the business side of things, if they're content with that, there's absolutely no reason why fans have to be. So I, I think, especially like very, very driven, very intelligent, you know, fan groups that are pushing this. I think it's absolutely brilliant that we're doing this, even if it doesn't lead to something. I think it's great that we're always constantly looking for ways we can improve the atmosphere, the stadium experience, the fan experience. Alan. Yeah, I, I think that that last point. There's a couple of kind of words that come out of it that I think are, are relevant, and um, ambition certainly is one of them. And I think it's probably similar to maybe you know everybody might have different experiences in their own workplace of maybe having a, a relatively innovative, innovative idea, and then you know people immediately go, oh, "That's going to be quite difficult to you know make it happen." I think what you need is on both sides. Um, as people that can push through and actually try and say, right, let's look at these particular obstacles one by one. How would we potentially go about it? Um, I don't think it'll be something quick. I don't think we're going to be sitting next August and um, saying how exciting it's going to be. But if you can start to think about it, you know, a, a consultation with the people that would be affected to get indicative numbers of how easy it would be, um, then I think what you might be able to do is arrive at some sort of maybe compromise in the short term. Um, and I think it is, it's ambitious, but that, that is the point. I think it's about to try and drive improvement, to try and make the stadium a more, um, welcoming place, somewhere that you actually want to spend time. Uh, I would say I'm quite, you know, it's maybe getting into a wider point and we've probably all talked about it at some point before and, you know, having a beer or just generally. The match day experience, I think if you're not a tourist, if you're someone that goes regularly to Celtic Park, can be just very, very functional at times. I'm not taking away how special it is to be able to go to Celtic Park. I know there might be people listening that don't get the chance to go very often, either because, you know, the location or cost or whatever it might be. But I think if you go regularly, then there is sometimes very little to attract you to go to Celtic Park before kickoff. Um, if you've been in the club superstore, um, and you don't need anything from there. There's sometimes very, very little around the stadium to actually um, the only make thing, people go. The only thing I'm thinking, Jackie, I'm, I'm not joking, this isn't like ha-ha. The only thing I think about before I get to Celtic Park is I need to get to the queue before it gets too big before kickoff so I can get my Fanta. Because mm-hmm. like that's the only thing I I, I sometimes get. I, I used to get the vegan sausage rolls, but they're three pound fifty and they're disgusting. So I just don't do it anymore. I eat before I go, which I think is a bit you know a bit shit. I'd rather just sit on my chair with like a sausage roll or chips or something. But I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay seven quid for a terrible cold sausage roll and a watered down Fanta. I'll just go with a watered down Fanta. I, I I think one of the things that. Um, and it is something I do bring up relatively often, so it's nice to actually have the opportunity to do it on a pod. Why not? It's a pre-prepared rant that I've probably had about a thousand times in the pub. But uh, again, if you, you know, I've been been fortunate to go to games, you know, in other countries down south. I would say pretty much every experience I've had elsewhere, there is something. There's more to do now. There's a novelty effect when you're a tourist that means actually walking around the stadium is something you'll do regardless. But 
I remember going down to, I think it was Man City before I went on holiday a couple of years ago. And outside they had a fairly small stage, a couple of speakers, and they had a host who interviewed former players on what their equivalent of kind of the Celtic way would be. Now, to get that Celtic, that's something that you would you would have to pay for the privilege of because you would have to be in the number seven or the Kerry Dale suite where it is fantastic. And I've had that experience and it's great hearing from, you know, whether it be Tom Boyd or Frank McIverney or whoever it is. And it's quite, you, you enjoy it because, look, it gets you built up for the game. If you're in the Celtic way, unless you're there for the bus arriving, there, there's, there's no entertainment. There's nothing. There's nothing. And I, I don't think it would be considering the kind of revenue that the club generate on match days. Um, I don't think it would be a lot to ask for them to perhaps encourage people to get down to the stadium for half past one, quarter to two. And, the, you know, Tom Boyd might actually, instead of talking to a select few in um, the hospitality speech, that's not a pop at Tom Boyd, by the way. Um, you could do it outside in a Celtic way um, and people would go there you know, encourage people to get to the stadium early you know have stalls for food and whatnot around I just I think it's a fairly simple idea is that again it comes back to that having that will of somebody to say actually let's create something um, and I know that pound signs are exactly what um, will drive the club That that's their job as um, you know, as people that are on the board but you sometimes need to think about more long term um, but I just I feel like Unless you are a tourist and you want the novelty, you've never been to Celtic Park before, or unless you've got kids, I don't really see any reason why you would go to Celtic Park any time before 10 to 3, um, unless you want to get your fanner. It's a unique you need to get your fanner. Been getting it since 1997, so you need to get your fanner. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my rant. They could be a little bit more ambitious about what actually going to Celtic Park means um, and what's on offer, as opposed to get down and see the players warm up, you know. Yeah, see, um, see, sorry, jump in. What have they done there? But see, like, see, um, our good friend Eddie Walsh, uh, obviously contributor, when he was over, like, we went down, the first time he was over, we went down to the stadium and he was awe, he was in awe. He's like, oh my God, like, this is my church, this is my religion, I'm here in front of Celtic Park, it's incredible. And him just being there was an amazing experience for him the first time around. See, the second time around, it's kind of like, okay, what, what can we do? What can we do now? It's like, oh no, this is it. This is, you can literally... Do you want to go to your seat? And it's like, well, we get 40 minutes. What are we going to do at our seat? Just going to sit, mate. That's because he's used to being at those Mets games, mate, where you get the you get the $19 hot dog and the, the big tall boy beer that's about the size of your arm. I mean, see, if, honestly, I... That's fantastic, to be honest. I mean, it's I don't want to pay $20 for a beer at Celtic Park, but... I wouldn't would charge I, me a tenner for a beer. I, I mean, absolutely. See, by the way, see all this whole stuff about uh, it's about the experience of the people and blah 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 blah. See, if I could get a pint at Celtic Park at my seat, I would be there fucking about two hours beforehand, just drinking <laughs> myself. And I tell you what, the singing it would uh, would be loud and proud. Um, we got we got a question yes last week from Mark G. Uh, he's in America, America. Um, he messaged and said, hello, huge fan of the show. This doesn't need to be answered on this podcast, but I will be, I will be going to Glasgow for the first time this fall. Anything specific I should check out other than the stadium could be a good question for first timers in the city. And I think what we'll do is, <coughs> excuse me, we'll do a wee kind of pod about things that you could do in Glasgow when you get here and, and stuff like that, like to kind of, if you've never been to Glasgow and you know, the Celtic experience takes care of itself, but there's other things. Alan? First thing Mark G wants to be doing is calling it autumn, mate. That's what um, that's, that's what we need there. He's um, that's what they call it in America. It's don't. I know. It's a culture thing. He needs to assimilate. That's, that's what's it. happening there. We need to get Eddie Walsh to get him some some education. 
autumn. But um, mainly pints, Mark. That's really what, yeah, what, yeah, what you're yeah, coming yeah, from, mate. Bit. There's very really little else to do otherwise. I mean, Might want to look at changing your holiday elsewhere, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just have a day. I'm <laughs> really not selling it here. Yeah, just have a day in Glasgow. Um, go to Edinburgh. Ah, you'll, you'll love it, mate. It's great. No, I, so I think we might do a wee kind of guide thing, just uh, for a bit of fun and to give people something they can kind of refer to. Um, God, we've talked a lot about, about that. That was uh, a good kind of talking point. Uh, the, so, the Necropolis is a nice walk. Necropolis is great. We're not going to get into it just now, Alan. Come on. <laughs> I'll write a wee list. He's just, he's just looked up uh, 10 things to do in, <laughs> in Glasgow. Tourist trap. The Has he ever done a brewery tour? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to kind of do a bit of focus on the, the game at the weekend and then we'll, we'll move on to the cup final. But um, just Chris Julian had some kind of comments. I'm not actually, I've got them printed here. I'm not going to go, not going to spend too much time on this. Um, but just some of the quotes. I had conversations at the beginning about how Ange sees a game. It was fascinating. I can say he's one of the best trainers I have witnessed. But the man himself, we just didn't click. Um, and he just kind of goes on. I'm, I'm sure we've all seen the comments. But he talks about, you know, the, the frustration of being injured. And I, I think he talk, He also talked about Neil Lennon and how Neil Lennon was someone that was very involved and very personable and how he didn't find that with Ange. It kind of just shows Ange has a very different style of, of man management and there are going to be, I guess, by having your very specific style of man management, which maybe isn't as interpersonal as some other managers, it might affect people and, you know, we're, I don't mean this in a bad way because he, he was a good player when we had him and all that, but we're not missing Chris Julian at this point uh, and clearly the decision for him to go was the right one, but are you surprised by any of his comments, Keenan, or is that just kind of par for the course? Um, not really. I think I think it's fair that he's making these comments. To be honest, I mean, maybe people might say it's unprofessional for him to criticise, but I don't think he's reading them. I don't think he's like being critical or, or like uh, sneery about it. I no, think he's I, been, not yet. I think they're just quite like um, descriptive more than anything else. And I think you're you're right. Like, I think we the vast majority of when in my old job and seeing it now, we do see like the positive side of that type of relationship. Where the the emotional distancing motivates players or allows players to know where they stand, and I think I've I think most of the players in the squad seem to have responded well to that, and most of the signings we brought in seem to have been built around that and responded to that themselves. There were always going to be players who that style of management doesn't really click with them. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised that Julian seems to be the only one that's been as vocal about it. Yeah. Um, I thought there would be more, given it is quite a polarizing management style. But I think it's absolutely fair, you know. I think he's, it's, it's just something that in, inevitable when you're when you're doing this style. And I think it's, I think it's welcome that Julian's been that honest about it. As, as you say, like he 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 was a good player for us. We he scored that that lovely winner in the, in the cup final, uh, another league cup final. Uh, relevant. Um, and he had a really good first season, injuries and some other mitigating circumstances didn't do it. I think, you know, he'll be fondly remembered at Celtic for a variety of reasons, and I think that's fine. And But we've got this manager now, it didn't click, and I think it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. I, I don't think it's something, that maybe there's been... There's no like hysterical reaction. I think no, no. It's, 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 I think it's quite a yeah. Every, everybody's happier now than they were last season. I think we're more settled with our centre back options, and um, and Julian's obviously happily playing every week for Montpellier. Um, Alan, do you think? Um, and again, just back back off the the kind of some of his comments and stuff. 
do you have to have a certain type of character to play in the Sanj squad or in the Sanj team or be part of the squad? Is it maybe different from because of how, as Kieran says, it's a little bit different, but maybe some players would find it a bit polarising. What's your kind of thoughts on that kind of management style? I think when you're in the, when you're in the rotation and you're getting used, I don't think your requirement then for that, you know, the kind of cliche you use is that arm over the shoulder type management. I don't think it's as, as relevant. I think when you find yourself out of the picture, though, that's maybe when players will feel that they could... You know, do, they do need a little me. bit more. I think, to be honest, I, I think with Julian, I, I think it's, it's the context of it because he was completely out of the picture because of injury. Um, I don't think he was. I don't think he would have been if he would have been fully fit. He would have been the type of player that Andrew would have liked to use. Um, either, in all honesty, but when you're out of the picture, you find it very difficult, and then you come back at a point when. You no, know, it's midway through the season, and you're not fully fit. You're not getting that game time. You know, I think he played some B games. I think it's just it was almost inevitable. I think everyone's seen that um, coming very early doors. I think when you don't get a run at it from the start, it's entirely plausible. I think, as Kieran says, though, I think his comments are um, respectful. And I don't think anybody would even dispute that that's what their understanding of it would have been. Um, you know, he, he cut a very lonely figure towards the end of the season and it could have became a distraction. But I think it was at that point where that not when he started, to, to kind of highlight that he was, he felt left out. I think most of the business of the season had been done, to be honest. So it didn't really cause any issues. So no, I, 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 it's almost like he's just confirming what I think we, we felt we already knew. So um, no, no, no drama with the comments really. No, it's funny though. Um, see when he talks about like um, some of his teammates were saying, "Why didn't you go and speak to the manager?" And his reply was, "Because <laughs> we're winning every week. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to go in and say? Like, uh, I demand to play." to help us improve so um and, and I guess, it's like egging your mate on to fight someday you know <laughs> a couple of drinks and you know ah, you could take him mate, 100% go and, go and lump that big massive fella and see what happens yeah just because you want to see what happens because you're a bit bored because <laughs> you're winning every week um but yeah uh, fair play fair comments i just thought it'd be kind of worth um bringing up um Let's go straight on to, we got a question from Paul, which will lead us into the um, victory at the weekend against Aberdeen. Um, Paul's question is, with Rio Hatati's recent performances and the consistency consistency throughout the season, is he Celtic's most important player? And how do we keep him long term? Keen Devlin, what's your thoughts? I, th- I know we've said, I think we are all massive Hatate marks on this podcast and we've been saying for a while, I think that he's been our second most important player other than the McGregor. I think it's about 50-50 at this point. I, 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 I really do. I, I like, I Alan's, Alan's, uh, well, well, he'll, he'll, he'll have his own thoughts, but I'm speaking now. And, um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I just, I think when he's not, I think it was, when was the um, St. Mirren game, when it was Turnbull and Moy, there was obviously other mitigating circumstances ab- ab- about them in terms that they're obviously a lot slower and contribute less defensively than Hitati. And they're just, it's not imbalanced. They've got other good qualities, but they're a bit of an Im- imbalance. I think that was more a general thing than being player specific. But just watching it after the way the game changed after him and O'Reilly came on. And I do think, you know, O'Reilly's past. What uh, 135 minutes of performances? So when he came over, I can't. It wasn't quite half time, but when he came on at half half time in another game and I ends Aberdeen, he's been much better than he had been recently, and that's maybe helped Tati at the same time. But 
I just don't think anyone else in the squad can do what he does in terms of creating good quality chances from the centre of the pitch. Like he is so creative and so unimaginative, and okay, it doesn't come off sometimes. Sometimes, Jesus, um, it, it can't. It might not come off sometimes, but and that you know that can frustrate people. But it's so necessary to how we play that uh, that we're not just relying on crosses or or low balls from from the wings. We are we do have somebody that can with a a reverse pass or a dribble or just like a ball over the top, just something that just unpicks defensives who just have 10 men behind the ball. You know, Alan spoke earlier about teams can't really come in and stick 10 men behind the ball anymore because we will eventually find a way to break them down. And I do think Hitati is the essential ingredient in that because he just, he is so, the versatility and his skill set on the ball was just amazing because he can't do anything. He can't, like, we've seen it time and again, if you give him time to cross, he's going to find a really good cross. He can do the really subtle one touch on the edge of the box. He can do the amazing balls in behind. He is, he is, his range of passing is astonishing. And yeah, McGregor is unbelievably important for, we mentioned before, but the, the tempo, the urgency he sets, the way he reads the game, both on the ball and off it is so monumental. But, I think Hitati's up there just for what, for what, how he is so important to how we play now. Because otherwise, I do think we, when he's not playing, I do think we just tend to rely on crosses or shots from outside the box. Kieran, um, let me jump in for a second. Do we miss him more out of the team than we miss McGregor if it's a domestic game outside the Rangers in Europe? I'd, I'd say yes. I'd, I'd say yes. Because I do think O'Reilly can do, because I think we can compensate more. Um, I, I think McGregor. I think you're right. I think if it was against Rangers or against Europe, I think maybe McGregor. I think McGregor probably would be the bigger miss. But against the ten other teams, when he is your your main man of creativity by quite a significant way, I'd argue. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. So that's a nice way to divide up responsibility. McGregor's your main man for I've Rangers and European games. And yeah, I've, thank you, Gal. Thank you, Gal. Giving you an out, pal. Uh, Alan, uh, how do we keep Patati? How do we keep him happy? Is it a bit what? Because uh, to an, what I would say with that is, I think a lot of these kind of um, players from uh, Japan and kind of. Um, like the Asian uh, kind of market and stuff. I think they're really big on European football, Champions League especially, uh, even probably Europa League and stuff like that. I think a big way of keeping Hitati and Kyogo and Maeda and lots of other players as well um, is by being in the Champions League, um, giving them that exposure, giving them exposure to markets in regards to European football that they maybe wouldn't get outside of the top six in England, top seven. Uh, I think that's a way of keeping them by consistently qualifying for the Champions League or at least qualifying for you know top level European football compared to uh you know an Everton or someone like that someone mm-hmm. maybe a big club in England but they're not going to quite get the chance to that that's my two cents Alan I'll bring you in Yeah I, I think the point in the Champions League is is valid and I think it's um I think certainly for a, maybe a two year period I think you've got a real opportunity there to offer them something that most clubs in English Premier League can't. I think after that period, potentially, they might then feel that the Premier League is... I think that Premier League tends to be the ultimate destination or certainly one of the elite leagues, I think, is one of the, the premier destination for any player, whether it's from the Japanese market or whether it's you know a European player. I think everyone wants to play at the highest level week in, week out. But I think in the short term, and I think specific to Hadati, I, I, I would make the presumption that being a... You know, a key player for Japan 
would be really important for him. Um, obviously, missed out in the World Cup, which um, I think the timing of that maybe is just but kind of been unfortunate for him. And there's stiff competition in there. He talked about but, so, sorry, Alan. He talked about how much mm-hmm. it affected them as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, he's. I think was that on his blog. Um, that he, he, he had mentioned that, you know, how he's got his... Yeah, uh, I think he did a, He did an interview with a kind of a Japanese media outlet and he talked about right. how it affected him a lot more and how he couldn't watch the games live, but he's went back and watched them mm-hmm. since. So it's interesting. I, I think one of, one of the things about, um, I think, is that he, he wants to to play that platform. And I think if you're playing Champions League football, if you are a key player for Celtic and we are competitive in Europe, then it would be difficult um, for him to be ignored. So I would imagine that would be his next, you know, challenge for him. And I think the way to do that is to make sure you're playing regular football. If he moves to any side down south, I don't doubt that his talent would shine through, but it would probably take time. You know, he might find yourself for maybe even six months to a year trying to get that adjustment to, you You know, you can start being a regular starter potentially. So, you know, that's something that you would need to be aware of. So I would hope that we can keep him. Ultimately, though, he has a phenomenal talent and it's there's 60,000 people going to watch him every week live and, you know, for our games that are on TV. Unfortunately, there are trained eyes that will also see what um, see. idiots like myself can see. And that's um, that is unfortunate because he is just a joy to watch. I think most people leaving the game on Saturday would have been having the same discussion that he yeah, is just a joy to watch. Um, I think what's particularly enjoyable about Hatate is that he can do all the things you guys mentioned there. But And that's quite hard to, to make. That. He does everything in motion. Everything is, that's, it's not, I'll control the ball, then I'll play the pass. It's all one motion. It's, it's like almost like a golf swing, as in you can't take one part of it and say, that's the key. It's all in the, the ability to do it all in one motion. I, I love, I think it was Barry and Claire yesterday were talking on the reaction about how he uses his body. He's very old fashioned in that he likes it when a player gets tight to him because he can manipulate them with the use of his body. He doesn't mind if a player you know, presses him because he knows then that gives him opportunity. And that's what the best players do. They don't panic because they're being pressed. They see that as an opportunity to then to gain the upper hand because they can leverage a player's speed or their, you know, anything against them. And that is, I know we talk about it a lot, like we talk about what elements of a player's game are elite. Real Hitati, the way he manipulates players and the way he uses his body is elite level. Um, he's just, he, he genuinely is a joy to watch. And I know I had a wee, when Kieran mentioned about McGregor being the most important, it's just because I'm old fashioned and I see the captain's arm band and I pay it that respect. Real Hitati's just, he, he is, he's, he's, the, he's probably the best player in the team to watch. And there are some real, real magicians in that team. But I think most weeks now you come away thinking, you know, what Hatati does is just incredible and he does it. And I think the fact that he does it with honesty and he's probably one of the hardest workers in the teams just makes you love him even more. So uh, unfortunately, the the answer to the question is very difficult because other teams will see all the things we see and they'll think, yeah, we'll have a bit of that. But hopefully we'll get to see Rio Hatati at his best for Celtic for another 18 months at least. He's got that Pavel Nedved thing about him where he just, as you say, he's always, always moving. You know, you have these kind of Eastern European kind of uh, kind of uh, creative midfielders, and you're right, Alan. It is about taking the ball, taking a touch, taking a think. You know, dropping into space. When Nedved always was always on the go and always on the move, and that's what Hatati's like. He's always moving. He's just, and that's obviously that uh, you've kind of covered it there. But trying to mark him just must be uh, not even mark him. Just trying to be like, where's he going to go fucking next, and what's he going to do when he receives the ball? You know, I don't advocate. Um... 
gambling. However, <laughs> I'm about to advocate gambling. Um, I, I think there's a good bet that on this game on Sunday, he is the most filled player. Um, and I think most weeks now you're going to start to see that. It's probably going to be a competition between him and Dyson Maeda because for very different reasons, Maeda, because he's going to get past you and you're going to have to accept that you're going to have to take a booking. I think Hatate, you're asking, how do you stop him? I think you try and you, you must interrupt his rhythm. And the way you do that is by enabling and hoping that you don't get caught doing it, which quite fortunately Rangers are quite good at, as it turns out. Um, there's a, a four-file minimum before the referee has to be talking to. So I would think there will be a lot of enables in Rio Hattati from different players just to try and stop him getting into that rhythm. Because once he gets into it, kind of like that discussion we had at the start, very, very difficult to stop him. Um, so, yeah. Um, we had the reaction, uh, myself, Barry Gallagher and Claire Wilde, we recorded it um, on location, uh, a great record and uh, yeah, great stuff from Barry and Claire, um, so that we went into detail of the game, kind of breaking it down, so if you want to go and listen to that, it's on your RSS feed, it's on the website and it's in the app as well. Um, I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on the game um, before we kind of move on and look ahead to the Rangers game. Uh, Kieran, what was your thoughts on the game against Aberdeen? I thought it was really good, yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier, I do think there were some issues playing it from the back, but that's the only possible hang-up I could have. I thought back from middle to front, we were really, really impressive. I thought we played with really good tempo, with really good creativity. I thought the, the you know, the, I thought they've got, um, I thought all worked really hard. You know, I don't I think it was maybe a bit peripheral in terms of getting on the end of chances, but I thought some of us work outside the box was, was impressive. We mentioned it last week, where... Kyogo and Gigi for all their other qualities all has something they don't um, in terms of that ability you know well I think Kyogo maybe he he is capable of dropping deep and contributing with um, passes and behind and stuff but I think we mentioned last week O's combination of technique and physicality is is a nice marriage between the two and you know he had it wasn't uh, you know scintillating or anything he didn't I don't think he even had a shot if I'm, unless I'm misremembering but I just thought he contributed a lot to the flow of the team. You know, he played a part. Um, and then, you know, Maeda Jota are really exciting. And just the midfield were just superb. Like, Hitati was obviously astonishing. But McGregor and O'Reilly also had really, really good games as well, I thought. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a really controlled performance, as Alan's saying. Like, the, we, apart from a, f- a few <laughs> issues from playing out the, out the back, we largely limited Aberdeen to pot shots. And it was just, yeah, it just a really solid, it's probably as good a performance ahead of Sunday as you can hope, like in terms of the confidence levels, in terms of everybody playing, all your key players playing at, at, at their best. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was uh, very encouraging. Um, everyone's percolating nicely, Alan. Percolating nicely. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I, I thought we were, I, I think... Saturday, I think, is as good as we've been for quite some time. I was really, um, really high in the performance. I, I thought we were excellent. Um, I thought, and it looked like they had that drive of, I think Barry mentioned it on the the reaction, but they had that drive of, look, there's a big game coming up here. We need to make sure, you know, from an individual point of view, make sure I get myself into that starting lineup. And, you know, I'd look at Matt O'Reilly for that. Um, I thought he he was excellent and played with real purpose and um, just that, that subtle movement that I think he's kind of famed for. I think we've seen a lot more of that. I thought everyone was just the energy we played with, the aggression, the pressing. Um, it was a real blitz in that first, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And I think I 
I think I made the same point on the reaction last week. I'm sorry, on the agenda last week. It could have it could have been curtains by half time. It could have been four or five nothing by half time, and a little bit maybe disappointed that it wasn't. And I think that's inevitable though. When you create that volume of chances, you're going to miss some. You're going to spun some. You know, it's you're maybe not going to get that final pass off. And there was a, a few near misses. And I think when Kieran mentions oh, it was just maybe an inch short, a couple of inches short, a couple of times from getting on the end of balls. I think you mentioned on the reaction of it, Jota's header. You know, we spun chances, but we created so much and. I, I, I probably didn't see the. I didn't see any difficulties passing out from the back. I seen issues passing back from the back, which is probably more what I've seen. I mean, the staff felt to Joe Hart thing was just like, well, can I, I don't jump- want to overplay it, but it's farcical, you know. Beyond can- that, I, f- I felt we were comfortable over the, over the park, and I, I feel like the two fullbacks had a really, really good, solid game, and that was good to see because I think they are going to be key, you know, going into Sunday. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Alan, but Jambo Roy sent a message saying, uh, <laughs> just says, Joe Hart, that is all. How bad is Segrist that he's not getting a look in? I'd have been wanting him to have had significant time by now. Priority number one is for the summer. It was the only dark spot in an amazing weekend performance, uh, Jumbo Roy. Um, look, there's, we're not going to... I think Segrist has been injured. Um, yeah. Though that's, I think, if there was any suggestion of changing, that would have probably it doesn't impacted seem like, it that. It doesn't seem likely though, does it? Probably not, no. no. But being injured certainly won't help. <laughs> Can you imagine if they're like, I'm injured, and then he's like, oh, you're fucking playing anyway. Get in. And he was... Yeah, it wasn't, that was very untidy. And I think um, Hart, it was like a glitch in a computer game after the initial point. But Staffelt, that's kind of, that reminds me of, let's see the basics that you learn in terms of when you're playing as a kid. Don't pass across your own box if you're being pressed. Don't take throws back to the goalkeeper, all those kind of things. When you're passing back to the goalkeeper, trying to loft it 20, 30 yards in there maybe for a goalkeeper who isn't, you know, and Hart then just, it was just messy, but I don't want to overplay it because, you no, know, I, we were very comfortable in the game, but, you know, it's it's not, I don't like seeing flashpoints like that in a game when you're so comfortable because there's no need for it. It's it's untidy, it unsettles you, you, I think it unsettles the players, It's and if that happens in a bigger game, then it can be much more impactful. So, not to uh, make a mountain out of a molehill, but, you know. You don't want to see things like that. Kieran, uh, for someone who wants to make a mountain out of molehill, uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> but I think we have, we have seen it impact a bigger game already, which was Ibrox when he when they did had a similar sort of error, and you know as I said, we said at the time Taylor going off probably had a bigger impact because the foot. Um, but I do think we were so comfortable until that point, and then uh, we just lost that day into the conference. So it, it is an issue. But like I, we've discussed hard a bit. Like I think we're. Well, I would. I'm I'm content with him until the summer. We got we, we do have as much a shape bag as a nine point lead, and then it is a thing. But it is it's not just number one priority for me anymore. It is like it, like I do think the Angira this can sound hyperbolic. I was going to say it can be defined by it, but what what I mean is like it it, it, it is essential for us to reach the next stage. I do think that is this, the discussion you're going to have. I don't think we can improve in Europe unless that position is upgraded. Do you know, Kieran? I think you're talking for a lot of the support now. I think maybe at the start of the season, I think people would have not been as vocal about their their preference that potentially you know Hart is replaced. But I think that's pretty much. I think it's a lot of people now. 
Um, and so I think, yeah, we're all kind of on the same page with that. Alan? I, I mean, we don't like to speak for other people, but I think that is the case. But I think, as Kieran says, there's not any prospect of change between now and end of the season, I think, because of... Bain is um, quite a bit off that level to be a starting centre goalkeeper and Seagrass injuries probably have put any any potential there for him to come in. You know, that's obviously been put aside. I think what we'd like to see now to the end of the season is Joe Hart to maybe play that role. Potentially, you know, the, the things that he was brought in and he was very good at are potentially, you know, is, is still very good at in terms of shot stopping. If you could see some of that between now and the end of the season, it would be a kind of nice you know, a good way for it to go and it would be an incredible two year spell as number one, um, in terms of winning trophies and what we've done. But I do agree. Um it's about trying to kinda of be that kind of respectful way and saying I would love to see him have a really, really good really good end to his kind of time as number one here. But I would be um I'd be fairly disappointed if we were going into the kind of big games next season with you know the kind of status quo in terms of the goalkeeping situation. See see also the thing is, like if you look at the squad building that we've done throughout even this season, so it's not like summer we do our squad building, January we get people out, but we don't necessarily improve on what we've got. We'll just wait to the next summer and then we squad build. We squad we've been squad building all over the place, right? Which makes me think that, you know, you get to this summer and it's not like we have to bring in five different players see honestly if Celtic this summer brought in a shiny new exciting young goalkeeper or a goalkeeper who's going to fit Celtic well and that was it and maybe one or two maybe one more player I don't know I wouldn't be totally obviously you want new players to come in that's part of the fun right I get that but if Celtic only bought a goalkeeper in the summer, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, like, sure." And that's the the kind of that's kind of the point. A lot of the time, people will be like, "Look, goalkeeper, right? We've got a solid enough number one. The goalkeeper kind of drops to priority because we need a striker or we need a left back or we need that or this." Whereas this summer, it's kind of like, "Well, what do we need?" Well, goalkeeper actually becomes that priority, so it becomes less about having to bring in six players for three different positions and more about focusing on priorities, Alan? I, I think just lastly on that, I, I, I don't think, there's nothing in what Andrew's done so far that would make me think that he would bulk away from that decision and nothing, to be honest, in his career that would make you think he would bulk from that decision. If anything, he tends to be maybe ahead of that curve um, than the fan base, which is a, a, a quite a significant change from his predecessor. The only question will be if you can get what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And it might then, I think what we might find in the summer is that we don't get that all rounder, maybe that we really want the, you know, that profile of goalkeeper that we really want. We might then find that actually we go into the market and we get the next best alternative. And I think that's where we might have to, we might not be sitting in September saying we've got the goalkeeper that we think, you know, is the next big thing, you know, the kind of similar to Arta Boric 2006 situation where you feel like you've finally solved that problem. But what you might have is an upgrade that, you know, is the, as I say, the kind of next best alternative. So, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to go into that kind of white whale scenario again for number six with goalkeeper. Actually, you might just need to get someone that's a slight upgrade that's better, but not maybe entirely perfect because it is the most difficult position to recruit for. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, an upgrade doesn't necessarily mean the the finished you know piece of the puzzle, or it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get peak Ange ball because we've got this guy in. But just want an upgrade. And I, again, no disrespect to Joe Hart because I think he's been excellent since he came in. But there are clearly 
flaws to his game that are becoming a little bit more obvious on a weekly basis. But at the same time, uh, a 4-0 victory, clean sheet. Hatati looking tremendous. McGregor setting the tone. Abada coming on late to show the pressure that we can put on at the end. Haksabanovic having his wee cameo. Terrific. Love it all. Um, sets us up for the weekend. Uh, so the last kind of 15 minutes of the 10, 15 minutes of the pod, we're going to just talk about the cup final. Okay, Kieran. Okay, Alan. Take a breath. I'm ready. I will swing wildly from excitement to nervousness. So at this particular point in time, I'm absolutely ready for it. Not a problem. I'm going to play, a, a, we got a voice note from our good friend Ken Walsh. I'm going to play that and let you all hear it. Good morning, one and all. Uh, just out walking my old dog, uh, listening to the new Chronicles, the Demolition Derby. Best one yet. Loving it. Um, just a question. May not be mob this Sunday. It's a different scenario than, than, than the league angle to the cup. So I'd like to know your personal build-up uh, over the next six days, what's going to be, you know what I mean? How many toilet breaks will you take? How many dreams will you have about hammering the fucker 6 nothing? Anyway, good morning. Hail, hail, and up the dubs. Good morning, Ken. Hail, hail. Up the dubs. Uh, great question. Um, I've already had three cups of coffee this morning. I usually usually stop at like two, but I'm like three and I'm quite tempted to get another one. I'm meeting my dad this afternoon. Um and what the thing about meeting my dad is what will either happen is we'll calm each other down and it'll be relaxing or we'll just escalate our fucking fears and uh we'll we'll instead of having the, the two and a half, two, three pints, we'll have six. So uh oscillating wildly all over the shop. Uh, Kieran, how are you feeling? Uh, have you got any kind of personal build-up for, for games like this? Yeah, uh, I sleep two hours a night. <laughs> I sweat profusely. Uh, I do I do uh, have dreams of a 6-0 scoring, yes. but they're nightmares and we're on the back of it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I get I get grouchy and Carolyn gets grouchy at me because I'm grouchy about the football. <laughs> it's oh it's a really it's a really positive uh atmosphere. No, no, I do I do enjoy watching I do like the YouTube uh, videos and everything. Like, I guess I, the way I try and engage with it is to try and ignore it apart from well, as you say, like swinging there's there are, everyone has wild swings between fear yeah. and being pumped up. And maybe mine are less varied <laughs> in, in in the swings, but I do have moments where like, I'm just watch, you know there's that YouTube video, all goals against them from like '96 or something. Yeah, one of the one of those. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I just want to stick that on and with uh, a nice a nice lemon and ginger tea or something. And uh, I think that, that that kind of thing would be would be good. Um, and on on the day, I said it before, but whenever we play them, I I couldn't really do it when I was in my old job. But normally when we play them, I go for a run in the morning. They just because there's so much like pent up energy that usually quite good to to release it. Um, yeah, and I think just the usual YouTube YouTube videos, and occasionally getting the some some rebel music on as well. Great stuff. Uh, what what about yourself, Alan? Obviously, you did the nodding for the kind of running stuff that pent up kind of energy. Um, talk us through your process for this week. I, I really don't know for the week because I'll, I'll try and ignore it, but I'll no doubt get suckered in. Um, and get myself wound up at things that are designed to get you wound up to get you engaged with it. So if I phone um, 
if on Clyde won on Thursday night, then obviously it's got to be. Uh, if there's Alan from the East End of Glasgow on the line, uh, I'd like to speak to Derek Johnson, too, <laughs> um, who's not been on the pod for, in, I don't know, however long. Um, Saturday night, I'll do the same. Uh, I'll probably either maybe go out for a couple of beers and then I'll come back, have a couple of beers maybe, and uh, watch the exact videos that Kieran's referencing, bit of music on, but try and take it easy. And then the Sunday, it's the, the, the killer is the Saturday night is trying to get some sleep because you just wake up every half hour, uh, just asking about your phone. I've got up in the morning, I will go either go run or go on the bike for uh, a good bit of time to try and burn off some energy and then just get some beers and get along at Hamden and then try and, I don't know, try and just occupy yourself. It's horrible. Um, the nervousness, not able to eat on the Sunday, which obviously paired with the pints creates a, a nice scenario. So uh, it's, it's, it's horrible and the one thing I'd, I remember people saying when I was younger was it gets easier as you get older and I just think what a lie so if there's anybody that's a young listener and they find that they struggle with the build up to these games oh, it gets worse mate I, uh, it, gets, it gets a lot worse and um, it's just it, it's not pleasant I think it's amped up more for a cup final um, cup finals are entirely different um, the the kind of the, the risk is very very high so <laughs> If anybody's got any solutions that are, you know, not going to the doctors and asking, you know, for morphine or something, then <laughs> let me know. Um, because I, I would love it if there's this ideal scenario, it would be really helpful. Absolutely. I actually think Pod's quite helpful if I would point that out as well. I like listening to other people's nerves and memories and recollections. That helps a wee bit. Um, obviously, when I'm on them, it doesn't help because I obviously can't listen myself. But uh Things like that are quite good. So if you could fill the week up with content, that would be nice. Well, have you heard of the midweek bounce, uh, which is uh, the Derby special dropping on Wednesday? Um, yeah, um, and Brian, that would be good. Thank you. And Brian's on it, so like the ultimate optimist. So I know, just... but then that annoys me. Brian will message <laughs> saying, "Ah, we're going to hunt them," and I think, "Where do you get your confidence, man?" <laughs> but it, it takes all. We need it all. I look forward to us at that on Wednesday. Uh, I should point out that the Celtic women are playing Rangers on Friday, Friday night. If you want to occupy yourself on, on the Friday, uh, myself and Claire Wilde will be going to that, certainly. Um, there's a press conference on Wednesday. It's in person. We'll be covering that as well. So Lorenzo and Great. Claire and Lorenzo will be covering... Uh, we're either going to do... We're qu- not quite at the stage of what we know yet, where we'll be covering uh, a section of pod that will drop into maybe the um, lunch club or... If we get enough kind of, you know, if, if it fills out a little bit more, we'll put it out as a separate pod, a sort of preview as well. So um, we'll be covering both games, both big games. Um, Rangers, apparently, there's rumours that Tillman, Jack and Lundstrom are out. Um, I know we don't necessarily want to talk about them at this point because it's right early and we want to focus on us. But, you know, Tillman's been a good player for them. Jack's a, a wee, he is a wee loser, but, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he performs and all that sometimes. So... Careful, mate, he'll hear you. Because uh, there's a joke about having large ears. Really, they didn't <laughs> didn't get a payoff. That <laughs> was really open for to be honest. Um, just in in regards to this, what are your confidence levels? And I know we're at the start of the week, so I I think back to that semi final. Uh, there's a question we've got from Paul. Will the performance in last year's semi-final be a motivator for the players to go out and smash Rangers, or will it not be thought of at all? I imagine, and again, maybe I could be wrong, but I imagine that from a professional pride point of view, that it would it would have annoyed the players that they didn't perform to that level. Maybe 
maybe it would get to someone like McGregor, the fact that they, we could have done a treble if, if potentially we'd beaten them. Um, does it play on the players as much as it plays on our mind? You know, Alan, you've made that point a number of times and I think you're probably right. Probably doesn't play on the players' minds as much as it plays on ours. But there could be an aspect of professional pride. Um, Kieran, what about you? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, certainly. And I think, I also think from the January game as well, we, we were really poor and I think that will factor into it as well. I think and. Ange was very diplomatic after the New Year's game, but I you can t- you wouldn't have been happy with how we played, you know. But I think the there are re- like we are in very very good form at the moment, you know. If if it is that um, front six, but with Kyogo in um, at, on on Sunday, you know, like this, as, as you know that like in the form. The all six of them are on at the moment. That's that's exciting. Even if you if you were to put in Moy for O'Reilly, maybe you know Moy's also in good form. And the, the the and Johnston looking a bit more settled. Taylor's back to his best. There are we are look apart from this all the playing out from back stuff we've already covered to death. We are looking really really at some playing some of the best football we've played under Ange and some of the most clinical and efficient football as well. You know that we are missing a couple of chances here and there, but we are so we are also putting our chances away at the same time. You know, I don't think there's been too many performances recently where you're you're getting frustrated because we're not scoring enough. I think we have been quite efficient. Um, I think, yeah, I think you just take it, take it as it comes. I think we can reason we can go into this confident. But well, I say that I'm obviously not. But I mean, like your average, your average punter and the players and you're the a manager fucking nightmare, can go into by this. the way. You're a yeah. fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> can go can go into it like uh, very assured of themselves. I, I think, and they do have a point to prove both about at Hamden and not not at Celtic Park. I think there's maybe a bit. I think the players, you know, when the the first the first question about is it can we only play this way at Celtic Park I think that's something the players and the manager will be thinking about as well and they'll really want a authoritative performance where we play at our best the way we did do in the 3 and 4 now and whether that's at Hamden or whether it's at um, Ibrox in a couple of months I think there's there's really scope for them to try and do that Absolutely uh, Alan what's your kind of thoughts? Yeah I'd, maybe 70-30 confidence levels um, and I would like the seventy percent to fill my week, but unfortunately, it doesn't. It's the thirty percent that creeps in and um, looms large. Um, I don't think maybe uh, the alternative side. I, I, I don't see. I, I think last year feels like a long time ago. It's you know, it's, a, it's. I know we've got a lot of the same players, and as do they, and it's it's not that long ago. But in reality, I, I feel that players tend to brush brush it off and they'll think about what they can do, not what they have done. Yeah. I think maybe the. Um, I think it is just about just trying to. I, th- I think cup finals. It's difficult to escape that notion for a player that a cup final is just about making sure that you're the person getting up second um, to get your medal. Um, I don't think you think about anything else. And I- I'll be honest, I-, I couldn't care. See if you were to say to me, I don't care what happens between now and whatever time it is on you know five o'clock, quarter past five. As long as we're the team getting up second to get our medals, that's all I care about. Performance, it would be great. It would be nice to blow them away and be completely comfortable. But if we have to have a rerun of a really horrible cup final where we just managed to win it, um, maybe even into extra time penalties, I'll do my best to still be um, be there at whatever time that goes to. 
I, I just it's just about winning trophies at this point. Um, the league is obviously we've been so consistent there, and that's where you need to be good every week. If we win this game at the weekend, I really don't care how it comes. I don't care if we're awful and we get the most fortunate of goals, or whether we blow them away. I, I, I genuinely really, really don't care as long as you win the trophy. And that's, I don't know how you boil that down and get that across to the players, but I feel there's a couple of guys in the team that are quite almost adept at that. They want to do it the right way. They'll continue to try and play our way, but you just make sure you do, don't get caught, don't do anything daft. You know, you don't give them any oxygen. I feel like that's, I feel like we say the same things about Rangers a lot, but that's really one of the key things, I think, and be brave on the ball and try and just really go for them. Um, so no, I'm I'm Kieran. It would be it would be fantastic to burst their bubble. Um, Kieran, I will speak to my dad and I'll get him to do a novena so that it doesn't go to extra time and penalties and uh, you die. So <laughs> we'll we'll pray that doesn't happen. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm grateful. <laughs> um, listen, we're not going. There's no point at this point. We're only on Monday, so we're not going to look at like team lineups or anything. We'll, we'll cover that in the preview. We'll cover that in the the, the kind of lunch club as well. Um, we're just about vibes today. At this point, we're just about vibes. Um, but I don't really know what that means. It means we're just like just a bit of vibes. Alan, look up, no, look up the urban, look up the urban dictionary. All right, because yeah. I don't. He's know. A, He's a, he's a traditionalist. He respects the captain's armband and he doesn't know where vibes are. <laughs> and the BBC. Oh, wait, that was pre-recording, actually. <laughs> that was pre-recording, right? Oh, that makes zero sense. Fantastic. Um, so we got a lot of stuff coming up this week. Uh, as we say, midweek bounce on Wednesday, the weekly on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Derby Lunch Club, the preview and the reaction. Obviously, tomorrow we've got the review as well, looking back and then hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, touching on looking forward. But... This has been fantastic, a good good footing for the week, a good start to the week, and uh, we'll certainly kind of uh, get you pumped for the game on Sunday. Um, Alan Edgar, pleasure as always, sir. Enjoy that. I will speak to you boys next Monday. Lovely stuff. Uh, Kieran Devlin, speak to you soon, sir. Pleasure on mine, Chris. Lovely stuff from Alan Edgar, from Kieran Devlin, from myself, Chris Gallagher. This has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>